Namaste and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast where we are exploring the mystical in the mundane and the magic in the present moment, bringing you ancient tools and technologies into modern day living, yoga, mythic, and healing conversations with expert and visionary powerhouses sharing their stories and secrets with you to help you live an inspired life. My name is Kilkenny, the host of the Modern Mystic Podcast, and today I am thrilled to be welcoming Alison Charles. Alison is an internationally renowned shaman, best-selling author, and host of Ceremony Circle Podcast, who went from being a national champion athlete, top-rated radio host, and national daytime television talk show host, to aligning her calling as a shaman after a traumatic moment provided her awakening. Since then, her ability to share ancient sacred wisdom and divine energy and be a powerful catalyst for change ignited a global phenomenon. Forbes has called her both a leading shaman for expanding others into their full gifts and power and a full-fledged guide into your psyche. Oprah Magazine named Allison's guided shamanic journey a top meditation to try. Huffington Post championed her as a top limit-breaking female founder. Days Magazine named her one of the top seven wellness accounts on Instagram, and Marie Claire Magazine selected her as the cover story and the next big thing. Allison, a huge warm welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Well, I'm so thrilled for our audience to hear your incredible word medicine. And I'd love to ask you, Allison, what does it mean to you to be a modern mystic? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so much, you know, and, and exploring that answer. And I always just try to do a dip in in the present moment to see what answers want to be conveyed today as opposed to any other time I've answered that. So let me just peek behind the curtain for a moment here. The main theme that came in twice just then that I speak a lot about, and it's actually a current layer of deepening exploration for me, is remembering that we're here to learn and grow and evolve in so many different ways. And that, you know, this whole concept and notion of quote unquote perfectionism, you know, it's like anymore, I don't even know or understand what perfect is or is supposed to be. It's concept disintegrates more and more and more. So I think one of the key pillars at the heart of being a modern mystic is giving ourselves full permission to have both the full human and earthly evolution experience and also giving ourselves the full permission to have the full mystical shamanic experience and connecting with the unseen realms. And, you know, I think as long as we trust and know that we're the types of folks where if we do take a misstep or if we do, you know, have a quote unquote mistake happen, that we're the type of people that welcome facing that and welcome doing the necessary alchemization to 
learn and evolve from that process, it's just really important that we give ourselves and others grace and compassion because we all came here to learn and evolve. I just feel like for quite a long time, especially the last couple of years, there's just been like no room for being human. And and that does bother me. That's a really riveting answer. Thank you. Because I feel like that's a real shadow of the collective kind of spiritual community consciousness of this need. I think particularly if you've been on the path for a while, or maybe even when you're starting out to really fit into this idea, which is a concept and false, because it's just some notion, you know, our egos have in our head, perhaps, of what like a perfect perfected kind of mystic would be like and what that path would be like. And the truth is each of our paths, right, are so unique. That's the mysticism. It's it's creative, like you said, and living and breathing and, and beckoning us to grow and transform. And so our journey won't look like anyone else's journey. So there can't be any kind of destination of perfection. So I love that answer so much. Mm-hmm. Really, really beautiful. Well, I'd love to begin with the riveting tale of your journey, which is very unique from being a top national champion athlete to becoming this powerful and sought after shaman. So can you share please with our listeners about your fascinating journey into your current life's work? Yeah, it's, it has been quite the medicine journey indeed, as it spans you know, what this answer really covers my entire earth walk and I'm 43 at this point. So I will do my best to whittle it down to some most important cliff notes along the way. But yeah, as you mentioned, when I was younger, uh, I actually was placed in my first running road race, like competition as a, as an athlete before I was even three years old you know, there's picture proof of it. I got have my little Nike running shoes on and my little pink Nike sweatsuit and in this road race. And, you know, I'm so fortunate and so glad for many reasons that developing athleticism and all of the skills that go into being an athlete at a very high level and my dad being my coach, I mean, there is a lot of pluses to it, but also a lot of challenges and a lot of really, really extreme pressures that to be really honest, I'm still sifting through and I'm still all these years of of being on, on the deep and devoted shamanic path, I'm still going to some of the nucleuses of some, you know, kind of core childhood wounding that occurred as a result. When I was young and a national champion athlete more than one time in my childhood and getting a scholarship to run cross country and track at the University of Alabama and being team captain there and just, you know, the list of those types of accolades, I could go on and on for a very long time around that. But that really from two and a half years old created a system in me that I'm still dismantling thread by thread of I'm not allowed to not be perfect. I'm not allowed to be flawed. I'm not allowed to not win. The only option to be a valuable human, the only option to be a valuable daughter is to be the best at all times. And that narrative 
you know, again, because I started at two and a half, that narrative got put in place on a cellular level at a really young age. That was the identity that was very entrenched from two and a half through college was Allison is this runner. She is this, you know, national champion athlete. And where that started to break down, that identity started to break down when at times I would succumb to that pressure of feeling like if I don't win a race, that equates to what? Like everyone hating me or me just dissolving into a puddle of nothing, you know, along the way of of day in and day out of so many years of feeling that pressure, that narrative, that storyline did begin to build to that type of an intense place. And there were races growing up where I would take myself out of the race. You know, I'd be in races where there would be hundreds of of fellow athletes in the same race. And so it became kind of easy for me to act like I got spiked by someone else's, you know, spikes and I would fall down. I would literally make my own self fall down and and literally take my own self out of the race due to the pressures. And then later on, my body began to feel the effects, even though I was a college athlete because I had started at two and a half. You know, my body had already endured so many years, sometimes, you know, training and running twice a day. And I was developing femoral stress fractures and all of these pretty serious injuries. And that, you know, those two things combined were the beginning of the crumbling, you know, of that kind of ego identification based around Allison equals athlete. And when that happened, I started to have a mild first awakening of, okay, if mentally I can't withstand this any longer, or I don't want to withstand this any longer. And if physically my body can't withstand this level of running any longer, then who am I? You know, who am I really? And what am I really here to do if already at 22 or 23, what I thought I was is already going away. And in that examination, that's where I started to get pulled over into the entertainment industry a bit. And I was, you know, a radio host and I I worked in television, both on air as a TV talk show host and also as a producer for a lot of big shows. This is when I was living in New York City. And it was at this time, because amongst a lot of what I'm sharing, starting in college, I got in a long-term relationship with someone. It was very karmic. We were both not fully integrated, whole, healthily operating you know, beings, neither one of us. Around the, the same time that I was living in New York City and working in television, that very long-term relationship that was longer than 16 years reached a a big cataclysmic turning point. And just, you know, again, for time purposes, whittling that story down a bit, he and I had been in a lot of cycles of suffering and anguish, varying degrees and levels of toxicity, dysfunction, abuse. And on one particular day, we were both at my place in Brooklyn. We had called the engagement off and I had moved out of our place in Connecticut and moved to New York on my own. However, for anyone else that's been in a cyclical kind of 
insane cycling relationship journey, you can understand, you know, how many times you both give another go at it, thinking that this time will be different. And so even though I was living on my own in Brooklyn, we were going to venture out publicly as a couple yet again on that day. And that's when, you know, all of my guides and helpers and the unseen realms really blew the whistle and it required a divine intervention at that point to truly pluck and pull me out of those cycle, cycles of insanity. And on this day, uh, right before we were going to walk out the door, my clairaudient gift, my ability to hear spirit speak to me got turned on and I received instructions um, and those instructions led me to finally allow the veil of denial and illusion that had been really covering my entire being to get lifted. And I faced some really graphic and horrific proof of, you know, some very unhealthy things that were going on in the relationship. And in me finally facing those greatest fears, that's what allowed, you know, my egoic shell to get obliterated, that veil of illusion to lift, and for me to finally get connected into the energetics and support of the unseen realms. And the last little bit that I'll share that was like another big important part of me pivoting from those former you know, identities and careers over into my true soul's calling is once the veil lifted and egoic shell obliterated, I was left with, you know, thankfully facing myself and taking responsibility where I needed to take responsibility, also facing the truth of the relationship, also facing the truth that earth and, you know, is not what I thought it was. I was not the person I thought I was. And that experience and having it many additional awakenings over the next few weeks led me to having my surrender moment and finally speaking to my own soul to great spirit to great mother earth and saying okay you know it's it was like a truly both hands up and the air moment and saying I'm ready to receive your support and show me the way and I can honestly say from that place I have heeded and listened to and followed the instructions of the divine. And that's what has allowed me, you know, to get into alignment with the path that I've been walking now for more than a decade and birthing a book and birthing a deck that were in co-creation with power animals and aligning in a really healthy, beautiful marriage with my husband, Luke's story. And there's just been so many massive miracles that have come from the divine intervention and and me finally surrendering. Mm, what a powerful and vulnerable story. Thank you so much for sharing about your journey and how you came to where you are today. There's so many aspects just to highlight, but a couple of them that I just feel like is so healthy and normalizing is when you talked about your childhood and just how so many of us are faced with the expectations of the family you know, the ones that are indoctrined, of course, that we are aware of, but then those that are indoctrined from such a young age. And I feel like so many of my clients that I work with have to really go deep in their spiritual exploration hand in hand with those themes and pressures that inevitably were really planted in the fecund soil of them when they were kids. Because I feel like the spiritual journey, right, we're humans, we, we can't really escape the childhood and those strictures and 
you know, for so many people on the spiritual slash, you know, evolvement journey, there are stories we've been told even about our consciousness evolving. And uh, there are just so many patterns to be unlocking and unfurling and breaking. And so your story was really, really potent that way. And I loved how you called your divine intervention <laughs> when you had that that day where you really had your awakening and the Claire audience came in. And that's such a fabulous term. I'm going to cite you and use that divine intervention because it is, as I'm sure so many of our listeners, you know, who are oriented towards their spiritual evolution and practices and committed to the path, listening will too concur that it's in those moments of breakdown and crisis that are sometimes, you know, the biggest boons and blessings as painful as they can be. So thank you. Yeah. And I'm so I'm so curious too, like with your amazing, powerful niche of complete genius zone with animal power and animal spirits and your new book, was that when your connection to obviously your path of shamanism and then specifically animal spirits was mm -hmm. birthed and midwifed at that moment? Or was it steps towards that? It, well, it was steps toward me realizing and getting to a place where the soul calling of me being a shaman uh, was ready to finally kind of unlock and begin to inform me. It was steps toward that understanding, but the connection with the power animal guides did enter in almost immediately after that divine intervention. So, you know, like I said, with the surrender, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to hear you and I'm ready to receive help from the divine. And the first two healers that I was guided to by the divine happened to both be women shamans. Yeah. At the time I wasn't, you know, connecting any dots or anything like that. I was just relieved to be working with these wonderful healers. And in one of the sessions, it, it was with my aunt, who's a shaman, and she did some soul <laughs> retrieval work. And in that journey, my core power animal, the black jaguar revealed. And not long after that, the three main supporter animal allies who wanted to come in to help me get through that particular passageway on my journey, the bear, the deer, and the frog, those three came in along with the black jaguar. So for a very long time, I was working with this incre incredible quadrant of power animal allies, each bestowing upon me, you know, different wisdom teachings, different medicines. The frog was, you know, guiding me to take countless healing baths and where and also while I was in those baths just finally allowing myself for the first time to feel stuffed down emotions and allowing those to process and be moved through hours and hours of crying the main message from the frog was taking a leap of faith and also reminding me that frogs can only leap forward and for me with exiting out of that relationship, that was a crucial message that I needed to really honor and heed is, you know, there's no more going back. It, there's only a leap forward. And I could give, you know, examples with the other ones, but yeah, the animals came in right away. And that's been one of the reasons that at this 
place in this present moment, you know, my connection and allyship and relationship with the power animal realm is so cultivated and so strong. And there's such deep levels of trust that go both ways. You know, on my end, I trust them to show up for me when I'm doing live power animal readings. Um, I've done them for audiences of 15,000 people and, or also, you know, I was telling my husband this funny story he didn't ever know. When I lived in New York City, I actually was a headliner at New York Comedy Club. And part of me going on stage was bringing people up or bringing other comedians up and doing live power animal readings. And you definitely, you know, it's a very vulnerable place to do that kind of work in any type of scenario, but especially in the heart of New York City where there's tough crowds and you're in comedy clubs and people are there to, you know, kind of have their minds blown or be entertained. Um, you know, me trusting the animals to in real time work with me, communicate with me, convey to me what I need to say to the person requires deep trust. And the, on the other side, the animals animals, you know, have worked with me long enough. They, they trust my embodiment. They trust my integrity and trust me to be a voice for them. So that's kind of the story of how my journey of, of working with the animals began. Wow. That's really, really, really completely a scintillating story. And to be offering readings, like you said, in that tough crowd of that many people, that concentration of numbers, you know, then even heightens the pressure. I can only imagine energetically and on every level. So bravo. That's amazing. And I'm so curious with information, how do you receive it? Are you, I know you mentioned Claire audience, which our listeners will be familiar with, but just to clarify, because different guests I've had, and I speak a lot about, you know, different ways and practices to receive one's information and to help our listeners develop their own guidance and, you know, receptivity to that guidance. Do you hear things and kind of sense things? Do you see pictures of the animals? Like, how do they come to you, please? Do you mind sharing a little bit about your experience of the download and your relationship with them? Definitely. Um, the two primary means in which I am communicated with are through visions and pictures. I would say if I had to pick the top primary way, it's through that. And then the second, which is not far behind the, getting the visions, is being able to hear the, the clear audience. So I'm just closing my eyes in real time to see if I can even more detailed explain how the process works. So yeah, as I, you know, open the gateway uh, to my connection point to the power animal realm and thankfully, and just thanking them again right now, like they're, they're always there, you know, they're, they're right there waiting for me, ready for me to, to connect in. And if I'm calling a particular animal forward, it will the majority of the time show itself to me. And what it will do in trying to convey the message that it wants to say to that person is it will show itself doing something like walking a certain way, moving in a certain way. And then from me witnessing the animal and its behavior, I'll then inquire 
why were you yawning like that? What, what do you want me to know? And then, then that's typically where the audio part will come in. I'll start to hear from the animal what it was trying to say by, by that particular movement. And that's kind of how the whole big picture message comes in. Lovely. Thank you for that detailed sort of inner architecture download. That was so helpful. I'm wondering when I work with my coaching clients and astrology clients so often, and that's why I was so excited to speak with you today because I've you know gotten even messages from people about having a guest with your expertise. So many people, like a shocking amount, inevitably bring up an animal. Mm-hmm. And it, it always fascinates me like I have one client right now going through a divorce who I was speaking with the other day who keeps seeing foxes. Mm. And so I was wondering if you could share, please, some concrete and practical ways that people can connect to their spirit team. I'm curious your opinion. You know, it sounds like from your answer earlier, you yourself have one, but then a few other allies who came in during your crisis. Do most people have one? Do most people then have a set of allies who come through a certain period of time who are like supporting actors who come and go? With my experience, like I definitely have one. And then I feel like different epochs of my life, different ones show up. So I'm curious, yeah, what is your experience with yourself and working with others. And then if you could share also some examples of practical things people can do to connect with their team and and figure out how to to really harness these amazing beings who are with everyone, right? Because everyone has a core power Mm -hmm. animal guide for sure. Yes, exactly. Yeah. What you just said is what I teach that we all Uh, As we incarnate, we all have a core power animal guide who is assigned to us and with us from the time we enter into the earth plane until the time we, you know, go back to the ethers. And maybe that particular one will continue, you know, and be with you for the next time you make a go round here. But yeah, we all have a core animal that's with us our entire earth walk. And then depending upon you know, what we're going through in life, what, where our soul is at evolutionary wise, uh, certain life experiences that maybe enter in unexpectedly into our path, depending upon all those different scenarios, there are, can be any number of animals because every single animal embodies different wisdom teachings and healing attributes, depending upon what you're going through, that will kind of dictate like, oh, right now, you know, snake actually uh, has been coming in very strongly for me with this kind of nucleus core childhood epicenter work that I've been doing. You know, I've been working this particular nucleus for probably more than a decade and I've made incredible strides and you know giant leaps of evolution with it however you know recently it's like I'm getting to like the fine pinpointed epicenter and I feel as if in this round of the layer of healing it will take me into completion in a lot of respects with it and 
you know, the snake, uh, Luke and my dog and I were taking a walk, you know, in, in Texas, there's lots of wilderness and lots of land and lots of creatures. And we were in a pretty big park where I don't think anyone had walked on the path we were on for quite some time. And the dog and I were in the front and this big snake, I didn't even see that it was anywhere near the path, but as we were walking, it slithered. I've never actually in the wild been that close to a wild snake and seen it move that quickly. And it went directly across the path. And I'm like, okay, noted, (laughs) you know, that's, you know, not a, a normal everyday occurrence. And so I definitely tuned in and the moment, and then also when I got home, I, I get my own book, Animal Power Book and Deck out on a daily basis, even though I wrote it. It's like, I still like to open it up and get into the medicine and the essence that's held in the book as well. And for me, I knew in the moment, but it was just reconfirmed when I opened the book that night that the snake was honoring me, uh, you know, of the, of the shedding of the snake skin and allowing that old skin of that you know, childhood wound to finally fully be released. And so I did do the power practice. Every single animal, there's 100 animals featured in the Animal Power book. And along with their messages and explanation of, you know, the the medicine traits that they carry, there's also a power practice for every animal. It's an exercise or a ritual you can do to get into even closer connection and communing with the animal. And I did the snake power practice happened to be a visualization technique of releasing an old skin. And so that's one, you know, very present example that I'm going through right now. Snake is not my core animal, but it came in to help me in the last couple of weeks of like this deep work and this process that I've been doing. Mm, So, so stirring. And it's such a great answer in the way of helping people understand how they can embody the teachings of the spirit animal because that's the whole point of being a modern mystic is to be modern and present and embodied and so i love that answer and just can't wait to talk to you more and more about how people can really really embody the medicine of their core i didn't answer the second part of the question yeah you just reminded me so so yeah the the most recommended way that i advise people, especially if connecting with power animal guides and the power animal realm is a newer aspect of your path. I always most recommend you make that first connection point, especially if you're wanting to meet for the first time your core power animal. That's such a sacred meeting. That's such a unique, sacred, special point on your path that I really say it's not the only way, but it's really the only way I recommend is to go on a guided shamanic journey with a trusted shaman to facilitate that work for you. And a lot of people say, well, you're the first shaman I've met, or, you know, I know some shamans, but I don't know that I trust them. And, um, I do have on my website, alisoncharles.com slash animal power. There is a free video guided drumming shamanic journey that I facilitate. It's about a half hour long. I explain the details and the steps with you and the journey. And then, and then with my drum, I actually take you into the other realm so you can meet 
your power animal. But I find that that's the most empowering way because yes, I'm drumming and I'm facilitating it, but you yourself are the one making the connection point with the animal in that journey. It's you yourself who are able to ask that animal questions, to receive medicine from that animal if it wants to give you medicine. And so, you know, yeah, I could do a a live power animal reading uh, at any time, but that's not as empowering for the person who's wanting to make that connection. So a guided journey is the most recommended way. And then if that doesn't resonate for whatever reason, and let's say you are a seasoned meditator, what you can do, like if you have a morning meditation practice at your altar, uh, as you're sitting there and you get into your connection points, whatever they might be. For me, it's great mother earth, great spirit, and of course my own soul. And once I'm in those divine connection points, I open myself up to whatever divine realm I'm connecting into. And you can set the intention in that meditation to call either your core power animal or the current power animal who most wants to support or empower you at that time to come in to your experience. And like we've chatted about, some people's gifts are, you know, they can hear the animal more. Some people can see the animal more. Some people can feel the animal more. But in whatever way your gifts work, that animal with the invitation, because with power animal guides, they really do appreciate an invitation and they're not very invasive guides. So setting the intention and the invitation and allowing the animal to come forward, you can begin to connect, gaze into its eyes, give the animal an offering, give thanks to it for showing up, ask it questions. And then if it aligns and it resonates toward the end of your meditation, you can let that animal know that you wish for it to continue to be with you and to continue to give you guidance. And so you can weave it into your meditation as well. Mm, Thank you for that fabulous playbook. That was so helpful and practical and so helpful for so many people listening. Fantastic. I feel like with my clients that I work with, the energy around these guides are that they're waiting for us. Like I said, like so many people, you know, have an affinity for a certain animal or notice a certain animal showing up in their yard or in their life. And so I feel like they're really so sweetly wanting to help us and they're waiting for us. And so when we ask, and so often, as you know, I know so many people listening have experienced, not just know, that the universe speaks in signs and symbols. And so isn't it that like all of a sudden when you ask and you make that intention, people will start seeing that animal perhaps like on a billboard or on a screensaver because like with you, if your glide is a black panther, it won't be like showing up in your yard, (laughs) but you start to, it's amazing how the universe will open up for you because I feel like they get happy that you're like, oh, I'm, I'm acknowledged and now we can come into relationship and almost like I've been waiting for you, darling. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's where it becomes our duty and our sacred responsibility. If again, you know, if doing this work and opening up in in these ways resonates, it becomes our sacred responsibility to become more consciously aware of exactly the types of examples that you just shared. It's like, okay, this is speaking to me. There's something in this that's stirring my soul. I can tell I really want to start to connect with the power animal realm more. Well, 
you know, speak to the divine and speak to the power animal realm, your readiness and keep your consciousness awareness field more open. And yeah, take note of if that week, all of a sudden hummingbirds seem to be everywhere, you know, that that's obviously happening for a reason. And then, you know, tune into the hummingbird in your meditation or go to animal power book and deck and see the the messages that hummingbird might be trying to convey to you. Mm, really, really fabulous. I feel like hummingbird and there's certain, you know, creatures that are more quote unquote popular, if you will, are showing up more in people I speak with. And I'm curious if you feel like there are certain guides that are hold a lot of space right now for the collective and are doing a lot of spiritual heavy lifting, so to speak. Like I feel like butterflies, hummingbirds, bear, all the big, beautiful cat energies. What's your thought on that? You know, it was kind of funny when you mentioned one of your uh, students or clients was having Fox appear. And that's that's been one recently for me that's been showing up quite a lot. So Fox medicine has been coming in and also Bear. I have been hearing there's a really lovely place called Alive and Well near our home here in Texas. It's basically like a healing center. And the staff has, they sell the book there, but they work with the deck every single morning, the the staff on the team. And just the other day, I think I was getting acupuncture and I saw the deck sitting, you know, at the check-in counter. I was like, oh, it's so, I always love seeing it here. And they're like, no, this morning, every single one of us pulled the bear, every single one of us. And we all shuffled and we all knocked and we all set different Mm -hmm. intentions. And every single one of us got the bear. And like I said, bear was one of the main allies who came in after my divine intervention. And so bear holding such strong, nourishing, supportive space for people, especially as they're going through pretty extreme or unexpected transformations, bear medicine is a key one. It also really teaches and and helps you learn how to do surrender and how to really learn to let go into the arms of the divine and and learn what that feeling is like to be held by source, be held by benevolent unseen realms. And, and Bear is a big teacher for that. And I think in this present time that we're talking, there are a lot of people being having some full circle healing moments or being taken to some epicenters of their their childhood wounds. So there are a lot of people going through some pretty unexpected and uncomfortable transformations right now. And it would make sense that Bear would be a, a key ally right now for folks. Amazing. Well, on that note, how would you feel about just playing almost like I was thinking like a little animal game, ring around the rosy animal game, where if I just said a few, would you mind sharing the medicine? Because that bear, I had chills with your wisdom and your download. And I think that would be so beautiful if that's okay with you. Yeah, sure. Let's start with hummingbird because you mentioned hummingbirds. So you must be downloading that. And I hear people seeing hummingbirds. So yeah, what's that medicine? Yeah. Hummingbird. Gosh, there's so many different attributes. It's like, I love how hummingbird is such, it appears to be such a tiny and delicate creature, but it is actually an animal that encompasses so many different types of healing attributes and wisdom teachings. So let me just tune in to which ones want to be spoken of. 
<sighs> Ancestry came in a couple of times right away. So oftentimes if hummingbirds are showing up, it can be a sign that your you know, team of ancestors on the other side are trying to get in communication with you or wanting you to at the very minimum know that they're there and supporting you and that they're present with you and your life. And then the other two things that are popping in as I'm talking is hummingbird is a really potent rem- reminder of not forgetting to tune into the sweetness and the nectar and the beauty in life, even amidst potential turmoil or tumultuous transformation, which, you know, like I said a moment ago, it can be feel really raw and uncomfortable when you're going through deep healing and deep change. But I think it's really important at any time, but especially right now with the type of healing going on, that we not get swept away into negative drama. And if even if the feelings are are super raw and uncomfortable, remembering that we all have the ability to be master alchemists and we all have the ability to go right to the heart of where source and our soul are beckoning us to face something or to truly transcend something or heal something. And there's always beauty and there's always sweetness and there's always like this divine nectar and juice that's meant to be extracted in those times. So Hummingbird was saying messages around that. And then also just, you know, the reminder, the the wing pattern of the hummingbird is, you know, like an eight the number eight, the the sign of infinity. So again, just taking us back into that bigger picture view that even if you're feeling uncomfortable or raw in the moment, you know, just opening yourself back up into the truth of your quantum self, connecting back into the field of of quantum energy and in the energy of infiniteness and remembering that this too shall pass and you're an infinite mystical, magical being. And so Hummingbird can really kind of help you through some trying times right now, I think. Oh, that was an amazing elucidation. One animal. I love that. And with the hummingbirds going, you know, the ability to go backwards and forwards Mm -hmm. and up and down, just that connection to the ancestry. I never heard that. That was so gorgeous. Thank you so much. How about tiger? Mm. This is actually the year of the tiger. Um, Exactly. That's why that's exactly why I brought it up. I was thinking of that. Yeah, yeah. Tiger. And it was funny too, because I remember we had not entered into 2022 yet. I think we were in about November of 2021 and Tiger just, it's not a typical guide for me, but it was coming in, coming in, coming in over and over again (laughs) in November and December. And I was just like, what is the deal? And it wasn't because I'm not, I'm not like a super deeply studied astrology person, you know? And so it wasn't until it turned 2022 and I heard from some of my astrology friends that, oh, this is the year of the tiger. And I was like, oh, I finally had the light bulb moment. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, (laughs) tiger. Like, sorry, it took me so long to understand uh, why you're showing up in that way. But yeah, tiger really represents a lot of 
passion. That's the main word that was first coming in, just like reinvigorated life force and passionate energies. And also, um, a lot of people don't know, it also represents the essence of sensuality and healing touch, along with just like my organic tuning into what the animal wants to say. For Tiger, I'm actually, I have the book right here and I'm feeling a pull to go to the tiger entry because I feel like there's something in there that wants to be said. So let's see the tiger, nocturnal power, water, energetic bursts, touch, leadership, determination, passion, selfishness, and new adventure. And so let me go for every animal. There's usually six to eight different messages that each one has. So let me just tune in here and see if there's a message that Tiger wants to say. Lovely. I bring forward a time of reinvigorated passion. Be aware of new adventures or opportunities presenting and seize them. And so, you know, when you tune into that, those two words, seize them, you can kind of connect to the visual of, you know, a tiger moving mysteriously and discreetly through the jungle. And, you know, maybe people on the path don't even know that there's like a tiger lurking. And then at the precise moment, you know, the tiger instinctually knows when to pounce, when to make itself known, and when to do the seizing. There's that message. And then one more. I activate an unparalleled ability to awaken leadership abilities and ensure success. Work with me to lead with confidence, passion, and clarity. So those are a couple tiger messages. Oh, so powerful. And I love your download of the messages because I think the listeners can start to sense how, say, you are about to step into a new position mm -hmm. that might be stretching yourself in an you know executive leadership or something. Well, then conversely, we can work with the spirit guides, right? In the way of being like almost like a muse animal or an inspirational animal that we can start to invite them and their energy more into our life, even if they're not on our team, because we have a sense of what energies and medicine and power they hold. And so if we align with a particular animal for a particular situation, that can help enhance our life, correct? Exactly. Yeah. That was one of the main reasons I heeded the call to co-create Animal Power Book and the deck with, with the animal guides was to create a modern day reference guidebook for people to, you know, flip through and familiarize themselves with each of the main healing attributes that these animals represent so that you know which one you might want to call upon depending upon what you're going through in life. So that's exactly another kind of opposite end of the spectrum way to to work with the animal medicine. Mm. That's really, really helpful, that description. Thank you so much. And I'm curious about dolphin. I have to ask you about mm -hmm. dolphin because that is my main squeeze, spirit Aww. or animal guide. And I would imagine it's a rather popular one. It However, um, I love your wisdom because it's been like the most profound teacher for me 
Wow, that's so beautiful. Yeah, dolphin. Yeah, it's it's such a sweet, special, intelligent being. It does show up for a lot of folks. I have yet to meet someone who was disappointed when dolphin appeared on their journey. You know, it's funny to witness <laughs> people's reactions, especially if they're doing a shamanic journey for the first time and the intention is to call, you know, their current power animal guide forward. You know, I revere and, and love all of the creatures. In fact, leech is one that I have such a close reverent relationship with. But, you know, for, for folks that are newer to the work, sometimes they'll get a little bummed or confused if like, uh, you know, the rooster or a spider or whatever might show up, but I've never met anyone disappointed that dolphin appeared. And so, yeah, some of the ways that you can work with dolphin, and this is from the book, it's when you want to clear old emotions, when you want to be more playful, when you want to communicate better, when you want to connect with your mystical gifts, <laughs> when you want to activate your intelligence when you want to experience greater ease, and when you want to access the ancient wisdoms inside of you. And so some of the keyword attributes of dolphin are intelligence, joy, high-level communication, breath, water and air, stress relief, and emotional integration. And for some reason, but in both of the readings from the book, the emotion, emotional aspect is what packed the biggest punch as I was reading. So I would say in this current moment, the main reason Dolphin might be entering into more people's field is to assist with that emotional healing and emotional integration. There's something really important right now with people taking responsibility for their pain, you know, like really going to the next level of not allowing yourself to be a contributor or a spewer of pain body energy. You know, it's time for us all to kind of like buck up to the next level and face, acknowledge take responsibility for where our wounds are, where our traumas are, and do the necessary needed work so that you are not someone contributing to any additional unnecessary pain projection, you know, trauma projection, just being like thrown about. It's kind of the last thing that the world needs right now. And it's a time to really focus on uh, what do I need to face and what work do I need to do to become an even more whole and healthily integrated human and, and person and being? And I'm feeling like Dolphin would be a really good guide in helping people do that work. Oh, I'm like just blown away and, and so concur with what you said, particularly in the spiritual realms, right? I feel like, I mean, I've been I'm in my 40s and I've been practicing yogic practices in, in, on a lineage since I was a small child. And I feel like in the earlier part of this earth journey, there wasn't a lot of focus on our emotional body mm. in the sectors that I was 
floating around in and, and, and really deeply integrating our psychological body. And of course that, you know, work, AKA shadow work has become more popular. I feel like in these circles, the past 10 years, which I think is an amazing thing and so important to see because, you know, one layer of ourself, right, is our psycho-spiritual, psychological and emotional processing centers. And so we have to tend towards, we have to tend to them and move and direct our attention towards them as mystics. And I feel like when we do, at least in my personal experience, that's when more of my psychic abilities started to really exponentially, crazily expand the more I tended to my emotional body. I feel like they really go hand in hand. Is that your experience as well? It sounds like it from your journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was coming in as you were sharing is like it when you get to a place where you're willing to face all aspects of yourself and to get into those crevices and like even those little pockets and areas that you had no conscious awareness were still stuffing down and holding, uh, you know, certain pain elements or aspects of your own personality or behavior that, you know, maybe historically you had felt shame around or embarrassment around that you tend to act out in certain ways. Like when you finally get to a place where you're willing to unearth and unlock and healthily face and communicate with all aspects of your being, that's where you on a mind, body, spirit, soul level are finally able to trust yourself. So it would make total sense that in doing that emotional soul level shadow work, that lets you trust not only yourself, but trust your own capabilities to navigate the full spectrum of your emotional capability and to also navigate this full spectrum of the earthly experience. And if you're in those major levels of trust, then it would make sense that you get to the next place of readiness to have your spiritual gifts and abilities come more online because you're in a greater integrated space of trust. Mm, that was really potent and incredibly eloquent how you just put that, that common denominational practice of being willing to go deep into the dark places of self and those crevices and cracks and really unpacking them and facing them, looking at them, shining light on them. And then that in turn requires trust, which then in turn that trust helps us develop our online listening to spirit. I love mm -hmm. how you put that. So, so exquisite. And I love to have this segue into what you alluded to for a second. And I laughed because yesterday I was working with a client privately, one-on-one, -on -one, doing yoga and therapeutics with her. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and I'm in this space that's immaculate, that's cleaned every day, there was this tiny spider. Mm. <laughs> and she, all of a sudden, and I didn't even see it. And she says, oh my goodness, you know, oh, there's a spider, you know, and it was moving towards her hand. And so then I just took a block and and gently had it moved towards me. And then I said, okay, it can hang out with me. Don't worry. It's not near you. But I was laughing knowing I was going to see you or speak with you, <laughs> see you on the energetic level, speak with you today. And would you mind speaking about the animals that might trigger us, how they might hold medicine for us? I remember even as a kid, I had a dream of a snake that bit me. 
and I'll never forget it. And it was a reoccurring dream. And then many years later, I was reading some different esoteric yogic books and it, they spoke of the auspiciousness of getting bit by a snake and, and snake work. And I was like, aha, that makes so much sense because soon after I had my first spiritual awakening. So hmm. would you talk about this? Maybe the gifts and lessons that we can draft off of with some of the scarier animals like snakes and spiders or bats and and your experience and wisdom about those. Yeah, I I find that in both my own personal experience and also at witnessing, you know, thousands of people at this point connecting with and communicating with power animals through work that I facilitate that when they are experiencing a triggering feeling or a resistance to an animal, just like in life in general, that's usually the biggest sign where you need to pause and breathe and get really present. And then if you can muster up the courage, lean in as opposed to, you know, continuing to, to turn away. And so, yeah, if anyone listening has an adverse reaction to a creature, I would invite you, you know, and, and of course the the pacing, timing, and flow that feels best for you. But I would really invite you to lean in to the exploration of that animal, even if it's just a gentle start of opening to the the animal that animal's entry and the book and even if you can just open it for a moment and look because every single animal has um, a really vibrant uh, full page art for it that really embodies the essences of that animal and so maybe on the first opening you're able to glance at the picture and look at like one of the little messages and then you need to close it and, and take a break but I would really suggest opening up the communing and communication lines. Like the example of leech that I can give. Leech. I was called. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. So they're so cute to me now. They weren't always, but <laughs> I was called a number of years ago when I was living in Brooklyn. I got the guidance that I was to get leech therapy. And I was like, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. Like I had so much resistance to it. But sure enough, there was a an, an Austrian man, a renowned leech therapist who happened to also be in Brooklyn. And I was like, oh gosh, I know I'm supposed to do this. And long story short, you know, the first time that I went in there, I mean, my palms were sweating on a mind, body, spirit, soul level. I was experiencing a ton of apprehension, nervousness, fear. I had actually never even seen a leech in person before. You know, he brought, they're all medical grade leeches. And so he brought a huge jar over that probably had like 200 or 150 leeches in there. And even just looking in the corner of my eye at this jar filled with all these leeches. I was like, okay, you know, I had to go into some breath work and it was a whole journey for me. And once we got to the place in the session where he was placing the leeches above my liver. So that's what we did for this first session. I think there were about five, five or six leeches that were placed above my liver. And, you know, you, 
I, I guess I can only speak from my personal experience, but I could definitely feel they have hundreds and hundreds of teeth in their valve circular mouth opening. And I definitely felt when those hundreds of teeth latched on and they, they are very generous and kind in that they have their own painkiller that they secrete. However, I didn't find that painkiller to be that effective, you know, but once I started to witness and connect. I mean, there's not much more of a closer connection you can develop between yourself and an animal than when, you know, like I literally had leeches attached and connected to my being and they were extracting the lymph that they needed to extract while also providing and gifting to me. I think they have uh, more than 140 healing enzymes that they secrete into your body. And once that connection point was made and I was able to witness them and their biodynamics, and I could feel their love and their generosity. And I could also feel, you know, all of the judgment that had been cast upon them and all the people that misunderstand them, myself included. And I, it just burst my heart open and it provided such an alchemical moment for me of truly, and the most profound ways, transitioning from fear to love. And I went from fearing them and being pretty scared and creeped out by them to completely revering them. And I love to talk about them. And they're, you know, some of the the critters and creatures here on earth that I adore the most. And it's that kind of pivot that everyone has the opportunity to experience in pivoting from fear to love with any animal or creature that you feel a resistance to. Mm, that is, that's an amazing story. And for the listeners listening, you know, this is a, an amazing shaman. And so we don't necessarily have to put the animals on our bodies, <laughs> but boy, are you a brave goddess and I honor you <laughs> so much and what a fabulous tale. And <laughs> what was, of course, the the essence and the the most beautiful heart of that tale is what you said. It's that turning that fear to love and opening to the messages of love that mm -hmm. come through in the forms of those creatures that might make us initially shrink, you know, because it's the same yeah. idea of, of those places within ourselves that we turn from that can mm -hmm. make us shrink, right? That when we turn towards them, really, really can be such healing medicine and and some of the most profound wisdom of our lives. So, Thank you for that story. It's very inspiring. I love that. I was wondering if you would talk about the word shaman because I feel like that word is, you know, more popular these days. And like what does that mean to you? Shamanic work, shaman, the, you know, anything you want to say about it in the way of transmission with our audience, you know, what does that mean to you that word being a shaman, shamanic healing? Sure. Yeah. I'm just going to tune in. There's so many things that can be said to answer that question. So let me just do a tune in here. So I think the thing that I often like to communicate is there can be quite a number of uh, misconceptions or misunderstandings around um, shamanism in general and there's so many nuances and, and layers to all of this, but for me and my path, being instructed to utilize the title of shaman was something that 
I never took lightly. And in fact, I had, speaking of resistance, I, I myself had a lot of resistance around. And it was when I was living in New York that the vision of the work and the path that I meant to walk and to lead. And for those who want to be reconnected into, um, I helped to facilitate that. I was being shown and told in a lot of respects what I needed to do and why I'm here on earth. And referencing myself as a shaman was in uh, one of those many instructions. And I really did a lot of examination of that because I, I'm very diligent and in doing integrity checks and, um, and facing myself. And it's always my intention, um, you know, to honor the human in me, but to also do my very best to be stepping from a place of pure divine energy and pure divine instructions and not from a place of ego. And so when that instruction came in, um, I did go on a shamanic journey and called forward my main love and light guide this lifetime who happens to be Ascended Master Jesus. And we had a whole conversation where I really felt I wanted clarity and affirmation from him. You know, is me using the title of shaman, is it from a place of ego or is it truly a divine instruction? And in that journey, it was, you know, he was very adamant that not only am I supposed to utilize it, but it's it's why I'm here. Um, so it's been a real journey for me because um, anyone who's been given a medicine name, uh, you know, and, and medicine names can come in from guides in the unseen realms, or if you um, are a part of a certain shamanic lineage, there are certain uh, times where elders in that lineage might get the uh, the name medicine name given to them that's supposed to be bestowed onto you. And there's certain rituals and ceremonies that take place for you to receive that medicine name. But no matter how the medicine name comes in, um, the vast majority of the time, the person receiving the medicine name is receiving a ton of medicine themselves. And it's a name that, you know, requires, um, courage and there's a lot within the person themselves that has to evolve in order to really anchor into and healthily embody uh, the medicine name and and that's been my journey you know with the the title rock star shaman with the rock and star representing my connection to great mother earth rock and my connection to great spirit source the star part yeah I mean there's so much I could go on and on and saying it's just you know, it's, it's an instruction that I was given and, um, it's, it's been a real voyage and it's not been at times the easiest or the most pleasant aspect of my journey. Um, when, when, you know, when the name and the medicine that it holds might be triggering to other people or other people, um, you know, have a very small box understanding of, of what shamanism is, it, it holds a, kind of a power packed punch at times for some folks. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm here to answer the instructions that I'm given from the divine. And I know if I'm right with my own soul and I'm right with the divine, that I'm good. And so, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of explaining various layers to this to potentially open up some people's understandings of 
you know, in just one example and in one thread of an example of what can come with, uh, you know, certain divine instructions and, and answering the calls of those. I want to share with the listeners the incredible amount of teachers you studied with in this tradition of shamanism when I read about your bio, correct? Yeah, I mean, I've been very blessed and fortunate. Um, you know, it's about it's probably about equal parts uh the you know, shamanic and spiritual teachers that have come to me from the unseen realms and the unseen worlds as I've been really blessed and fortunate to be able to sit with and and learn from and receive transmissions uh from in the earthly realm of shamanic and spiritual teachers as well. And so yeah, I mean, it's it's a whole thing. Um, and I've got a countless number of friends who are also shamans, but um, many of them do not feel the call and have not received the call. And it's not a part of their journey to call themselves shamans. Some might not use a shamanic term at all. Some call themselves shamanic healers or shamanic practitioners. And then I also have colleagues, um, Dr. Maria Booney or Eagle Woman, who are very respected, revered uh, colleagues and friends of mine, where they are also women shamans who have been, you know, given the, the duty to, to utilize the title and they, they refer to themselves as shamans. And so it's a very, very individualized, um, part of walking the path. And, you know, I do feel it's, it's a part of the journey that should not be taken lightly. And there should be a lot of healthy exploration around it and a lot of discernment around it. And, and um, yeah, for me, the name uh, represents my main connection points. Like I said, uh, I hold a vertical line of connecting in and communing with honor with Great Mother Earth. And then that vertical line runs up through the center line of me, which, you know, connects into all aspects of me, but especially my heart, uh, the human and shaman part of me, and then goes straight up into the center point of source consciousness. And, and, and that's... Um, that's what I'm here to do. And if it ever changes, I'm also open to that. I am not attached to any of this. If if uh, I receive, I check in regularly. And if I receive a message that I'm no longer meant to, like the medicine that was of me utilizing the title was dispersed and transmitted, and it's come to a place of completion. And I no longer am guided or need to utilize the title of shaman. I am completely fine with allowing that to, to go and allowing me to shift over into wherever else God goddess wants me to go. And so, you know, it could be a whole podcast episode, but yeah. I guess that's a little bit that wanted to be conveyed today. No, that was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that so authentically. I was wondering, as we begin to wrap up our conversation, I know you had mentioned with my beloved dolphin spirit um, that one of the attributes of that is connecting to our mysticism. And I wondered, um, in a few different, say, collective human situations that we all face, such as healthy boundaries and cultivating those, trying to cultivate more friends creating more optimal health. Would you mind sharing a few animals 
just as like a party favor that people could, and listeners could get your book and look up or sit with themselves, you know, some mm. of those more human situations. Yeah. I mean, the first one that came up when you said healthy boundaries, I love to go to armadillo mm. medicine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can picture they're such cuties. I'm so thankful that living in Texas, we're able to see them every now and again. Um, I've had a couple cross my path, but yeah, you know, they've got that protective sacred shell around them. And so they're, they're great teachers for learning how to have healthy discernment and healthy boundaries. I'm very grateful that that's an area of life that I've gained quite a bit of uh, mastery and ease around at this point. But I know, um, you know, for a lot of folks it can take a lot of uh, learning and teaching and, and experimentation and trying to find their way with healthy boundaries. So Armadillo can help with that. Um, let me tune in and see which other one wants to come in one moment. Hmm. The seal came in around, um, I think it's around the relationship and, and friendship category of things. It's, it's really about heart-centered connection and heart-centered communication. And um, I'm also getting the visual of, you know, with seal medicine, attuning and operating from the heart-centered place. I'm also seeing ripples of water emanating out from the seal operating in that heart-centered place and and just really getting back to the truth um, that that's the most potent medicine and the most powerful way we can all be of greatest service is to to do our best to tend to our own heart healing and tend to having our hearts be open as much as possible and returning to love as frequently as possible. I can't think of a greater way to be of service than that right now. And I feel like there's one other little critter that's trying to make its way in. It's the, I see a dragonfly flittering and flying about in my upper right vision field. And the main message of Dragonfly, at least recently, is two words. It's new directions. So let me see why that's coming in. It's pretty simple. It's just like, you know, for for a lot of people right now, we've talked a lot about um, a lot of deep healing and transformational work going on at this time. And there can be when we when we're in those places also a sense of feeling like you're in a bit of a voided space, you know, because these old snake skins and these old ways of knowing ourselves and these old patterns that we've probably had for the majority of our lives, we're finally doing the work and giving permission for that skin to release. And, you know, in that midpoint is a bit of um the voided area of like, okay, so these old ways that I've known are gone and yet I don't fully have the clear formation of, of where I'm going. Um, so it seems like dragonfly being a medicine carrier of 
support when new directions are are formulating, uh, that would be a good ally to come in if you feel like you're kind of in that midpoint and where maybe you want a little um, boost of courageous support or empowerment to help you hold the line to keep going forward in the direction that feels quite unknown or mysterious, you can call forward the uh, dragonfly to, you know, to, to fly with you and be with you as this new path is beginning to formulate, but hasn't totally revealed yet. Oh, that's exquisite. And that was for me because in the last (laughs) two weeks, I have seen so many dragonflies and it's just so amazing that you downloaded that because I, you know, said, and I'm, I'm asking about animals that clients have asked me or listeners have asked me. And so I didn't want to take time to ask for myself. And I was like, I'll have to get a look up her book myself. So thank you. That was so gorgeous. What about when we're mourning the death of a loved one? Hmm. Tune in. The black jaguar came right in when you asked that. You know, the the black jaguar is just such a potent helper uh, when we're dealing with any energetics that might feel darker or scarier or um, just heavy. Black jaguar is such a, a supporter of spiritual reclamation and helping you stay. Uh, in a healthy way, connected to the divine, even if you're going through and experiencing a lot of grief and sadness and darkness. So I would recommend Black Jaguar. Mm, really, really gorgeous. And what about for more abundance? It depends on what kind of abundance, um, but koi fish and deer both came in. When I think of an abundance of like love and and heart power, it's, it's deer. Deer is the path of the heart, but um, Koi medicine has a lot of connection to more financial abundance. So interesting. That makes so much sense. So much sense. And what about, I guess I'll punctuate this because I get questions about this, um, our romantic love lives and our love making. And I think it's an important thing to speak about when we're talking about spiritual things to not act like that's not important to people because I'm an astrologer. And that's it's so funny because when I'm coaching people, and historically teaching meditation and mindfulness, which I've done up until more recently, professionally only, that sector of life doesn't get spoken about. And now that I'm actually professionally reading charts, it's like people are always now um, asking me about that aspect of life. And it's funny because it was not one that I was always speaking about before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong with tiger, you know, that sensuality and touch and passion. Um, but I'm also looking in the back of, uh, animal power book. I have different ways, like different indexes where you can look up keywords like alignment or compassion or commitment. So, um, like if you're calling in more commitment with your relationship, the tiger, is also there. Uh, the eagle is there, but there was another one over here. Um, the duck. The duck is a really good one for sacred union, mm. um, devotion. So yeah, I know a lot of people are kind of ready uh, in place of readiness to release out of karmic relationships and shift over more to dharmic relationships. And the duck would be a really good one to help make that transition over. 
That's awesome. I have a friend who is really into ducks, and I feel like that's one that maybe if it shows up for you, you most people, except for him, wouldn't be as excited as, say, like a dolphin or a black panther. But now knowing that, if you've resonated with ducks, that's a beautiful, I love that download of romance and the dharmic kind of sacred connection. That's so gorgeous. Well, Allison, would you be so kind to punctuate our our conversation with a brief, either like a guided meditation or a ceremonial blessing or benediction or whatever you feel moved to close out this most delicious, elucidating conversation. Yeah, sure. I'll do something just very brief and simple. Um, I'm definitely, yeah, for a very long time, I've been guided into a way of living and embodiment that's just super simple, has space. Um, so let me see what wants to come in. I think I'm going to use one of my rattles. And allowing the sound of the rattle to just clear away any of those old fragments, those old ways that are ready to be released with honor across all time and space. And now attuning to your heart center right in the center of your chest. And as you land there and begin to direct your breath into your heart, just allowing the layers of your heart to communicate with you. Perhaps there's a word your heart wants to share or a certain color it wants to convey. And any past hurt, any past energies that are stored in your heart that are ready to be set free across all time and space, allow that to happen with the rattle now. Just opening up new layers, new room for new heart circuitry to expand in the center of your chest now. And to close, if it resonates, allowing the most benevolent divine energies in the center point of source consciousness, great spirit, to begin to flow down through your crown and to meet in your heart center for heart coherence. And also connecting in with great thanks and praise and honor to Great Mother Earth, the planet we walk upon, for all of her generosity and allowing any of her nourishing support to rise up through the bottoms of your feet and rise up through your root chakra. And again, to meet in your heart center for heart coherence. Just feeling that attunement to these most divine, supportive, loving places allowing that to expand your own being and love in the center of your heart now. Amen. Aho. And so it is. Mm, that was so deeply exquisite and so powerful. Wow. What a gift. Thank you so very much. 
Allison, where can folks find out about you, your gorgeous new book, and your potent work in this world? The area on um, social media that I'm most active is Instagram, and my handle is at I am Allison Charles, and Allison is spelled a little unique. It's A L Y S O N. So I am Allison Charles, and my website where you can find information about Animal Power Book and Deck, and also get that free video guided drumming shamanic journey is AllisonCharles.com/slash Animal Power, and then I also have my own podcast called Ceremony circle where, um, you know, I chat with other shamans and spiritual teachers from around the world and we close with a healing ritual at the end of every episode. So you can find me there as well. Mm, Amazing. Yes. I listened to some of your episodes and you're really downloading continued and powerful words, medicine there. So folks should definitely check out all your things. And Folks, if you want to support this podcast while supporting yourself and you aren't a monthly mystic member yet, head on over to my website, modernmystic.love, and get my entire yoga, meditation, and mystic hack video library, which is on a gorgeous and user-friendly platform and includes all sorts of phenomenal discounts and free offerings from my guests. I also offer astrological chart readings. In addition to my coaching work, so to book one of those, head on over to modernmystic.love. Folks are loving these readings lately. They're so much fun and they're so profound. And you'll get a recorded copy of the reading afterwards, along with a picture to reference for the rest of your life. Allison, thank you so much for all of your just really authentic and poignant sharing for all the training and deep work that you've clearly done on your journey that has gifted us this wise, informative, and just truly soulful conversation. You and your work are really, really gifting this world so much. Thank you. I really appreciate you seeing me and and that acknowledgement. Um, It's my greatest honor to walk the path, but it definitely has taken a ton of devotion and courage. So I appreciate those loving, kind words and being able to connect with your beautiful community today. Mm, Well, they will surely benefit so much from this conversation. So thank you so much again. Namaste. Thank you for taking these words in. I hope they ground, inform, and inspire you on your journey of the mystic path. If you like what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast platform you use. It is so appreciated. Also, check out my website, modernmystic.love, where you can find information about my very exciting monthly mystic membership my members have unlimited access to a robust video library which includes short videos that are easily digestible sharing practical ways to integrate mystical living into your day-to-day life these compelling videos cover topics such as how to ground protect and grow your energy how to develop your psychic abilities how to connect to your spirit team, shadow work, inner child work, tarot cards, lots of Western astrology, of course, 
in addition to syncing up with the rhythms of nature and so much more. I've gotten so much positive feedback that these videos are game changers for folks. Also included in the membership are over 100 alignment-based yoga classes of all different levels, meditation and breathwork classes, so you can work from the inside out or the outside in and up level yourself as you become the next version of you. Not to mention my mystic members get all sorts of bonus content and discounts from my visionary podcast guests. So check out modernmystic.love and take a peek there as there's a free sampling of some videos waiting for you. Lastly, if you are looking for some conscious conversation and compelling community, check out also our private Modern Mystic podcast Facebook group. Keep on meeting the present moment where the magic lives, one breath at a time. Namaste. Namaste.